0: But around here, I mean, it was like this, if people dying like that, I mean, every day, every day, two and three people, then you hate to answer your phone, but somebody called him, somebody died. So we know that that thing there
1: is never gonna be safe. It's never gonna be. Cause number one, the people don't care and they're gonna find a ways to poison us. Everything we're suffering is a direct result of our exposure to Tupac.
2: Welcome to the first episode of Engulfed, a podcast from the Maroon, Loyola University, New Orleans' student-run newspaper about investigating instances of environmental injustice in Southeast Louisiana communities. Louisiana is home to millions of acres of bayous, marshes rich with fauna spawning from the white-tailed deer to the American alligator, and long brackish rivers, the Atchafalaya and the Mississippi that empty into the Gulf of Mexico. For some, the state is a sportsman's paradise, a haven of sorts for catching crawfish or hunting duck. Others see the state as a linchpin for Americans' trade economy, as over 500 million tons of goods are shipped through the state on the Mississippi River every year. But for those drowning in man-made disasters like climate change, oil spills, and unbreathable air. All they see are their ways of life, slowly dying. The voices you heard to start this episode came from members of an environmental justice group based out of Reserve, Louisiana, called Concerned Citizens of St. John the Baptist Parish. On a summer day in 2016, one of those members, Mary Hampton, noticed an unusual number of cars crowding the parking lot of a local church when she was on her way home from the store. She called her priest, and he told her that the meeting was related to a local chemical plant. He mentioned that it could be about a chemical spill, but he said he was unsure what the meeting was about.
0: So I put, dropped my groceries off and I went straight over there and I found that the gym was had a lot of people, but it wasn't us. Nobody told us. So the priest, he came to I was sitting next to our priest, and uh, he said, did you not know I anything about this?
2: The meeting was held by the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality in conjunction with the Environmental Protection Agency and Dinka Performance Elastomer, the corporation that owns and operates the neoprene synthetic rubber plant in St. John the Baptist Parish. Hampton soon realized that the meeting was called to tell residents that the EPA's National Air Toxic Assessment had found that people in the area were at a high risk for cancer. Lydia Gerard, a reserve resident, was thankful that her friend Hampton stumbled upon the meeting.
3: I, I would bet my last dime on it that it was intentional that a lot of people didn't come out.
0: Exactly.
3: They had it in our community where most of the exposure is on a large portion, and they were banking on the people just not paying attention mm-hmm. and letting it go. And they could always come back and say, well, we had a meeting. We, we, you know, we called the meeting exactly. to let them know they didn't come. They didn't advertise, they didn't want us to know. They didn't want us to know. But it's a good thing that people that were really interested in that community was there. And that's how the organization was formed.
2: Out of this meeting, Hampton and Gerard helped found concerned citizens of St. John the Baptist Parish to raise awareness for the low air quality and high cancer rates in the parish. ProPublica's analysis of EPA data estimated that the air in St. John the Baptist Parish is 99% more toxic with cancer-causing chemicals than other parishes along the Mississippi River. The group has been particularly vocal against Danka Performance Elastomer as the rubber manufacturer emits chloroprene. Studies have linked chloroprene exposure to high rates of liver cancer in humans and other animals, and the EPA classifies it as likely carcinogenic. Robert Taylor, another member of Concerned Citizens of St. John, feels frustrated with the response from government officials. Chuck Carr Brown, the secretary of the LDEQ, once accused critics of Dinka of fear-mongering for raising concerns about the dangers of chloroprene
1: and nobody's looking at this plant that could sit here and destroy a people like that at that level. And the government attribute that directly to our exposure to chloroprene at those ungodly levels that they are dumping it on us. That EPA is allowing, DEQ is allowing it, Louisiana Department of Health our local, nobody's doing anything about it. And then when the poor people suffering and struggling and stand up to try to clear the mess off their face and to get it out of the lungs of their children, they're attacked by their own people.
2: Dinka is one of the 150 chemical plants and oil refineries that occupy an 85-mile-long stretch from New Orleans to Baton Rouge along the Mississippi River, a stretch of land now known as Cancer Alley. Kimberly Terrell is a research scientist at Tulane University's Environmental Law Clinic. Terrell described Cancer Alley as a place where Black and low-income people are burdened with cancer risk and respiratory diseases because of industrial pollution.
4: So I would say the, the siting of the plants are clearly discriminatory, right? They, they are not located in, in a random pattern. Um, and yes, many are located along the river, for you know, logistical purposes for transportation. But even if we look within the industri- within the river corridor, there's, they're not uniformly placed. They're clustered in black communities. Um, and we see that pretty clearly in St. James Parish, where even the land use planning of the parish protects white churches and white schools, but doesn't have those same buffer areas around Black churches and Black schools.
2: Fifth Ward Elementary School, a kindergarten through fourth grade school with a three-fourth Black student body, is located a mile away from the Dinka plant. Activists say that the school's proximity to the plant is evidence of the environmental racism Terrell is referring to. Concerned citizens of St. John even fought to relocate the school.
0: We fought for Fifth Ward for five years to get them kids out because the emissions was so high. Even the Department of Health said there was nobody should have been in there. They kept those kids there, the school board, we went to school board, meeting, we, we had private meetings with them, with everything with them. They didn't believe nothing we said either.
2: Polluting industrial facilities operating in close proximity to black public schools seems to be a trend in Hunter Alley. In nearby St. James Parish, the proposed Formosa plastics chemical plant was zoned to be a mile away from a school. Ironically, also named Fifth Ward Elementary School which has nearly a 100% black student body. The Formosa plant would have emitted ethylene oxide, a chemical linked to increasing risk of lymphoid and breast cancer. Activists also point out the ties between pollution and Cancer Alley and Louisiana's slaveholding past, As sugarcane plantations moved out, industry began to take its place along the Mississippi River. Now, many of the people who suffer the most from industrial pollution in Canter Alley are the direct descendants of enslaved Africans who worked on those plantations. It's also common for industrial plants to occupy the same plots of land where enslaved people once lived and worked. Dinka, for example, is located at the site of a former plantation.
0: There were two plantations, Bell Point and Sunnyside Plantation, where Dinka DuPont is. And uh most of the a lot of people that were field workers lived there. It was a sugar cane plantation, also. And uh, they somebody had bought it and they started moving the people out. Now we had no idea what was coming there, none whatsoever.
2: When Hampton was a child, her family relocated to St. John the Baptist Parish for her dad's job at a local sugar mill. Hampton said that many of the things she grew up with slowly disappeared after industry moved into the area following a white flight from her neighborhood.
0: We had even lightning bugs. We came up playing with lightning bugs. You go out there, you get lightning bugs, you rub it on your clothes, and you should shine at night. And you ran around playing together with lightning bugs on you, you know, and, and, Things like picking figs and picking uh, blackberries. We had all of this. You're After about everything, right. just go on. You can't grow anything anymore. Still never knew why. Everything in the air it was bad. Your water, sometimes the water would be so bad you could smell the chlorine. The chlor- It smelled like Clorox. We didn't know it was chlorine in it. Well, we knew it was something in it because it was smelled, but we had to drink it. You know? And I mean, our life coming up was terrible. In
2: 1969, DuPont de Nemours, a chemical company that made synthetic rubber used for koozies, among other things, moved into the site the Dinka plant now occupies. Residents in the area were told that the chemical plant's arrival would improve their quality of life.
3: And all you heard was, you know, a plants coming is gonna be jobs, so everybody's excited about that. You don't know who's coming, what they're making what they're emitting or anything like that. You didn't even think about emissions. All we thought about as far as the plant goes uh, for emergencies was there might be an explosion, but you didn't think about you know, anything else. You know, you th- And you thought there were gonna be jobs, but we didn't get the jobs. In
2: 1983, the plant had an explosion that injured 21 workers, including eight of them who were severely injured with burns. Hampton remembers a class action lawsuit coming out of the explosion where people in the area surrounding the plant received $100 each, but this was only one facet of DuPont's controversial legacy. In 2015, DuPont sold its reserve plant to Dinka because of concerns that it could not afford to offset its emissions of chloroprene, according to reporting from The Guardian. Though Dinka's track record with chloroprene is not much better. Here is Kimberly Terrell, the research scientist we heard from earlier.
4: In this case, the pollutant of concern is chloroprene. And the, the challenge, the thing that makes the Danka situation unique is that chloroprene is a very, very unusual pollutant. And Danka is the only facility in the United States that manufactures chloroprene. And one of only, I think, nine facilities that emit it. Right? because some other facilities, they don't produce it, but they handle it you know, as, uh, as a feedstock to produce other things. So because there are so few communities exposed to this very, very toxic pollutant, which is you know, known to cause cancer, the, there, there, there isn't a lot of, um, or I should say the EPA has not paid a lot of attention to this.
2: The EPA found that the risk of developing cancer in the community surrounding Dinka is 50 times the national average. And Terrell said the plant's emission levels are dramatically higher than what the EPA considers safe. Residents of reserve, like other areas in Cancer Alley, have been devastated by the toll cancer has taken on their community. And many, like the members of concerned citizens of St. John, can name several loved ones who have died from cancer.
0: The kids are sick. The people are dying. I got five people in my family or six that died with cancer. running back behind each other. My daddy died. My daddy, my daddy bought this property. When the white people moved, he bought this. He thought he was us his legacy, elect- He left for the death center. My daddy died with cancer. My brother next to him, his wife died with cancer. My brother next to me, he died with cancer. He lost his wife at a young age. My son, 50 something years old with cancer. My daughter lost her husband, 57 years old with cancer. My brother back there, he got cancer. Bobby, his wife, have, and, and, and the kids have immune system. His, his, his parents had cancer. Lydia, husband died of that. So this is what we face as a community because of the treatment that we have been all our life that we knew nothing about that we could not fight. Mm-hmm. we fight fighting now, not for us, but for the people coming behind us, our kids and grandkids.
2: But cancer wasn't the only health-related tragedy St. John residents were up against. In 2020, COVID-19 came into the picture.
4: We've known for a long time that pollution can increase people's risk of respiratory disease. Like, that research is not new. It's been ongoing for decades, and there's a whole you know, body of scientific studies that support that connection. Um, you know, not just with COVID, but with uh, tuberculosis, with, um, you know, previous emerging respiratory viruses as well. Um, and, and it's really a very logical connection, right? Your lungs are the first point of contact um, for pollutants entering your body. And your lungs represent the largest surface area of your body that comes into contact with, with outdoor air, you know, once you breathe it in.
2: As a researcher, Terrell was interested in a Harvard study from the beginning of the pandemic, which concluded that long-term exposure to air pollution exacerbates the effects of COVID-19. And she conducted her own study. Her research showed death rates three to six times higher than Louisiana's median COVID-19 mortality rate in these parishes. At one point in April of 2020, St. John the Baptist Parish had the highest COVID-19 per capita death rate in the entire country, according to analysis by The New York Times.
4: You know, we know that pollution is a risk factor for death from COVID-19. We know that from, you know, lots of studies across the nation uh, and internationally, plus a whole foundation of research showing that Pollution increases your risk from respiratory disease. And then we also know from our own research that in Louisiana, you know, when we look neighborhood by neighborhood, it's the same neighborhoods that are overburdened with pollution where people are disproportionately dying from COVID.
2: Hampton was overwhelmed by the high COVID-19 death rate in her community. She saw her own sister and brother-in-law die within a week of each other. Robert Taylor, one of the members of Concerned Citizens of St. John the Baptist Parish we interviewed, nearly lost his life to COVID-19. He believes that his time living in the midst of the parish's rubber manufacturing industry made him especially vulnerable when COVID-19 began spreading through Louisiana.
1: And I had everything. I had the double pneumonia, no you know, it attacked both of my lungs. Uh, with that, plus the pulmonary thing, I had the blood clots in my lung and in my leg. My my system were, was so compromised that I'm just fortunate, everybody tell me how lucky I am to have not only the age factor, but coming from the, uh, the environment that I came from, you know. People up there at that hospital were amazed.
2: Activists and scientists alike believe St. John the Baptist Parish' initial high per capita death rate as linked to half a century of chloroprene emissions from Dinka and DuPont. Dinket spokesperson Jim Harris told the Maroon via email that he denies the parish's high COVID-19 death rate per capita were aggravated by industrial pollutants and said that they have been linked to underlying conditions like hypertension, chronic lung disease, obesity, and, quote, non-industrial emission. He also pointed to a COVID-19 outbreak at a Laplace veteran's home in April of 2020. The LDEQ's press secretary, Greg Landley, told the Maroon he isn't aware of a correlation between COVID-19 and industrial pollutants, but said that the question wasn't in his department.
4: I haven't even seen um, any industry or, or, um, or state agency even acknowledge the link between pollution exposure and risk of death from COVID-19. Um, and, you know, we, so often we see the conversation kind of switched to other risk factors, um, especially, you know, obesity, smoking, diabetes, and those are important, right? Those are important to an individual's risk, but pollution exposure is also important. From a social justice perspective, it's really important to make the distinction between voluntary and involuntary risk. If you decide to smoke, um, you know, if, if you decide to eat certain foods, that is something that is more within your control than if I decide to build a plant next to your home and release, um, you know, pollutants that are known to harm your lungs.
2: Terrell and Tulane University's Environmental Law Clinic filed an emergency request on behalf of the concerned citizens of St. John in May of 2020 to cease the operation of the plant. Both Harris and Langley told the Maroon that Dinka's emission levels comply with the state standards. But these efforts are not enough for the concerned citizens of St. John, and they petitioned for Dinka's chloroprene levels to be reduced to 0.2 milligrams, which is a level that was recommended by the EPA. But in late September of 2020, the chloroprene emissions at Fifth Ward Elementary School were measured at 6.35 milligrams per cubic meter.
1: There's no place, there's no one in St. John the Baptist Parish that's in a safe environment from chloroprene. Chloroprene is poisoning everyone Mm -hmm. that comes into St. John Parish. There's no, that one plant, it's poisoning, is allowed to poison a whole parish. No, that plant need to go. And they are not planning to change. You can see that. They're not planning. Even when they tell us, okay, we're going to reduce to 0.2, they're not going to do it.
2: About a month after the Maroons spoke with concerned citizens of St. John, EPA Administrator for District 6, Michael Reagan, spoke with the group and other members of the parish on his listening tour. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Engulfed. Come back next time as the Maroon pieces together the impact of coastal erosion on Southeast Louisiana, how it's threatening Indigenous communities' way of life, and what it means for Louisiana's present and future. Today's podcast was written by Ray Wahlberg, executive produced and edited by Brendan Heffernan, and collaborated on by Dominique Tolliver. I'm Dominique Tolliver. We'll see you next time.